Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every single person who's in here today. Thank you, Lord, that we have such a revelation of your word this morning. I thank you, Father, that we don't just look at your word with uh, familiarity, that we've read this before, that we've seen this before. But I thank you, Father, we allow it today to bring such light to us. And I thank you, Lord, that every heart is open to receive exactly what you have for us this morning. All right, well, go ahead and lift up a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited this morning. Um, This morning, the title is Joy from a Place of Victory. And so this whole um, month, you know, and I thought about it also before because I was like, how am I going to teach four weeks on joy? And really, I found that really was not a hard thing to do Um, because, you know, when will I stop preaching on joy? Whenever God stops being joyful and he, (laughs) at least Ocel laughed. I mean, (laughs) thank God. Got somebody in here to laugh at my jokes. But, I mean, the Lord, you know, joy is such a big part of our lives, especially as Christians. It may not be a part of a lot of people's lives. However, so um, the things that we've talked about so far, you know, in his presence is the fullness of joy, gaining joy just by merely sitting in the presence of God. We've talked about um, laughing at every attempt of the devil, at everything that comes your way. Because God has already given us victory over all these things, and so we can laugh. And lifting up our highest praise unto the Lord. However, we really should focus on what is this victory. Because if you don't have a revelation of the victory that Jesus has given you, then you cannot fully have this joy. It's just the simple truth. So go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 2. Let's go. James chapter 1, verse 2. Hello, Selena. (laughs) We're in James chapter 1, verse 2. Selena's my dog. Y'all got to hang out with her. She's cool. Water break. All right, are you all there? You better be. Okay, so let's see what it says. It says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Another translation says, count it maximum joy. And so what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you just, anytime that you fall into a rough patch, a rough situation, you just, oh, praise the Lord, we're going to get through this. No, it says to count it maximum joy, not just 10%, not just 20%, 100% joy. So even when you fall into the hardest of hardest situations, he's saying that you go all the way out, Lord, you are good, your mercies endureth forever, and you dwell in his faithfulness, amen? And then it says, knowing that the trying of your faith develops patience. How many of y'all have ever asked God for patience? And then... And then he brings you with some, with some tests of your faith, with some tests of your patience. Oh, good Lord. I'm like, I remember one time I told the Lord, you know, I wanted to increase my love walk. Well, that's, that's a whole different story. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the kinds of people that the Lord will bring into your life after you ask him that. I mean, <laughs> some of the most trying people, and you're like, oh, good Lord. I know at work sometimes my mom and I, we get a little bit annoyed with people. You know, and you really have to be patient because we have these signs out, right? And we, um, we serve food. Well, the food, we prepare it, and then we place it out somewhere. And it has this sign, a full breakdown of what it is. So one of them was like butter chicken, okay? It was butter chicken. And um, we make it and whatever, and we place it out. And then people come, come by, they look at the sign, and they look at us and go, what's that? And we're like... Are you kidding me right now? I mean, to take it a step worse, one time it was, it was beef tacos. How do you get beef tacos mixed up? I mean, we literally, people walk up and we go, we've got beef tacos right here. And people look at the meat on the taco and go, so what's that? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So just an example of the trying of my patience. I mean, just, you know, it really is, it can be challenging to love people. And 
But when you come from a place that God loves people, it's so much easier. And so anyway, so it says, but let patience perfect its work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so really, if you look this word perfect up in the Greek, I'll tell you what it is. In the Greek, the word is teleios, okay, <laughs> weird way to say it, T-E-L-E-I-O-S. And in the Strong's translation, it says it means complete in various applications of labor, growth, moral, and mental character, completeness of full age, man, perfect. And so oftentimes you'll hear people say that this word perfect basically means mature, and it does, but it goes much further than just mature. I'll read that again to you, complete, in various applications of labor, growth, moral, and mental character, completeness of full age, man, perfect. So it's really, it's not just that you've come to the point of you're a mature Christian, you're no longer a baby Christian, but in every aspect of it, that morally you're perfect and that you've really grown to a point where you understand how to operate as a Christian. And so... Why does he tell you to count it all joy? Because he knows that through these tests that your faith will grow to such a greater level. And so your faith really can't build until you get to a point where you have to believe for something. And so oftentimes when we go through tests and trials in life, you have to believe and put your faith on God, on his word, and know that he's not a man that he should lie. Amen? And so... Really, the reason that we rejoice when we go through things is not because, oh, the Lord, you know, the Lord is really trying to test me. You know, oftentimes I hear people say that about their health. You know, they get laid up in the hospital and, oh, the Lord is just putting me through a test right now. Well, that's not true. However, when you get put in the hospital, when you go through situations, you can rejoice because you know that the Lord already took that for you. And so then you fight the good fight of faith and you can tell the devil to get off of you. But if you just believe that you're laid up in the hospital because the Lord wants you to be, well, you're not going to get out. It's probably going to get worse because you have the wrong expectation on the Lord and you're just believing him to do that. And so, you know, I've heard a lot of people say also, well, if, if you end up in the hospital, God's testing me. So then don't take any medicine. Don't do anything because... Well, the Lord is just testing you. He's just helping you out. You know, just he, <laughs> he gives the worst battles to his strongest soldiers. I mean, that sounds like a terrible God. I mean, I'm telling you, that's the God of this world, if anything. But anyway, when I fall into situations where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is just terrible. I count it maximum joy because I understand that through this, my faith is about to skyrocket because I understand God didn't put me through this. The devil's in here trying to mess with me. But guess what? I already know that my battle's been won. And so I don't give up and just quit. I say, God is on the throne. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to get through this in Jesus' name. Another version of this, um, they're kind of tied together. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And we're going to go back to James, so just hold your horses. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I hear some pages flipping. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so, really... When you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, what a difference it makes. I believe the end of this whole passage is probably the most important thing because without the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, you would not be able to get through things. Amen. 
but it's the love of God on the inside of you. I mean, I'm telling you, most of the problems that we have here on this earth are made by man. And men are very messy in the world. You know, there's a lot of people that will come at you and want to try you, but it's the love of God that will keep you. Amen? And so, let's read that one more time. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation. Boast in tribulation? Because I'm not excited if I go through financial issues. I'm not excited if things happen in my life, if storms come. But I know that God is going to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for my good. Yes. Amen? And so I'm not, I'm not just, oh, the Lord's testing me again. Oh, praise Jesus. I'm just going to get through it one more day. But I'm excited because I know that, ha-ha, devil, you tried to attack me, but my faith is only getting stronger. And now the next time you try to come against me, I know just how you work, and I know just how to come against you. Amen? All right. So let me go back to that James, James um, chapter 1, real quick. We're just going to read the end of that. I just had to jump a little bit. I just had to jump a little bit. All right. So... Now in verse 5 it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without wavering. For he who wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the, limp, with the wind. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now I touched on this um, a couple of weeks back about the promise of God, about, you know, how we can stay in his presence and understand that his word is true. And so then through situations, you really can laugh at the devil and ha ha, you're, you know, you're just under my feet. You've got nothing against me. However, many times people, they make an attempt to do that, but they've got their mind two ways. They've got their eyes on the Lord. Sure. All right, well, the Lord, well, the Lord's word says this, and he's not a liar. That's great. But then the doctors come in, and they start giving reports, and then they start talking about it. And that's where the real issue comes. And we know that hope, hope is a confident expectation. We don't talk about hope nearly as much as we talk about faith, and rightfully so, because faith is so important. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. However, if you don't have a confident expectation you have nothing to put your faith on. You don't, you're expecting the worst. And so what you'll get is the worst. And I'll tell you a story real quick. Um, I remember I was on the phone with my brother a couple weeks back, and I didn't even tell him about this. He was, <laughs> don't worry, I'm not about to say, read all your mail or whatever. I'm going to say it all. But, you know, he was talking about people in the fire station and about how some of his buddies, they get like cold sores. And I was like, oh, that's, like, that's terrible, you know. And he was talking about how they are, they're all getting cold sores and spreading around the fire station. Well, I wasn't even thinking about myself, but somehow I started thinking about cold sores. And guess what I got on my mouth out of nowhere? And I was like, did I just think this thing into being? That was crazy. But anyway, you know, whatever you expect, you're going to see it later on. And yeah, amen. Money suit. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you need one that's covered with real money. All right, amen. We're just going to we're going to throw Justin in the offering bucket this morning. <laughs> but you know whatever you expect will happen. So, you know, unfortunately when those situations come in life, it's so easy to go through a rabbit trail. And it's so easy, you know, even at the littlest thing to start going sideways and thinking about the wrong things. Because how hard is it to be laid up in the hospital or something, some kind of situation like that, and you really feel horrible, and to not think that it's going to go a totally wrong way. But when you fix your eyes on the promise, then you can understand where you're going to go. And we're going to touch on that in a minute. So go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12.
All right. So it says, this is Paul speaking, not that I have already attained or have already been perfected, but I follow after it so that I might lay hold of that for which I was seized by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the first thing that you have to do? You have to forget the past. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean to just forget the bad. That means to forget past things that are dead and gone. They're done. They may have been a good thing, but you may be done with that season in your life. Amen? And so oftentimes you can even hold yourself back because you're getting out of the will of God. And people get, they get so discomforted and so uneasy because they're holding themselves back from what really is the will of God. They get themselves just into the permissible will of God instead of the actual will of God. And so, you know, um, it's basically good things can happen in your life, and that's fine. You can, you can love the job that you're in. You can be happy about where you are. But the minute that God tells you to change that, many people get it wrong when they don't change with the Lord. And so they get focused on, well, God, I'm making X amount of money here. I don't want to leave this job. And you're telling me to go to this job, and it's making me nowhere near the amount. Well, many people, they stop there and they go, well, you know what? God wants me to prosper so bad, I'm not going to leave this job and go to this one, even if the Lord's telling me to because, well, he said that he was going to make me prosper. Well, he never said that your job was going to cause you to prosper. He just said that you were going to prosper. He said that you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. And so anywhere that you go that's in the will of God, he will cause you to prosper in every single thing you do. He'll, he'll even promote you in anything that you do because you're following what he says. But many times people get held up in these things. And so they look back. And what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? She became a pillar of salt. Now, obviously, she was looking back to something very bad. But, you know, people, they recount on old things, and they recount on, oh, Lord, you know, well, this happened to, to this family member. My family members have, you know, heart disease conditions, and, you know, I'm looking back. Oh, my family members used to have cancer, so, you know, that's genetics. It's the time is ticking. It's only so long before I can get cancer, and, you know, I remember somebody, I believe I said this last service, but somebody in my family told me that. They said, oh, you know, our family has a big history of heart disease. They have a lot of um, dental issues, da-da-da, you know, so you need to start preparing for that. And I just went home and I just laughed because I'm like, the devil can't take me out. Are you kidding me? That could have been, but it stops today in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what happened before, but I press on towards the goal of the high calling of Christ Jesus. And so I look ahead. Anytime that you're in a rough situation, your key is to look ahead. Because the things on this earth, they are so temporary. But if you look to the kingdom of God, I mean, how powerful to see with an eternal mindset. I mean, it makes giving easy. It makes being kind to people easy. Because you look at them with the eyes of Jesus. This person could go to eternal damnation, even though they're trying me, even though they are, like, so rude to me. You just start being kind and loving them, not just fake, not just passive, but you love them with the love of God because you understand that this world is so temporary and it's fleeting and no soul deserves to go to hell. I don't care what you say. You know, I know so many people that, that are so merciless, but, you know, really nobody deserves anything. So many people oftentimes they say, well, you know, I didn't deserve that. Well, did you deserve the grace of God. Did you deserve the cross? Nope. We didn't. And so no matter how bad a person, no matter pedophile, no matter rapist, I mean, I'm just getting deep here, but I mean, when you love, God, love people with the love of God, that is powerful. Amen. Anyway, I, I got kind of off of what I was saying, but hallelujah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
All right, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oftentimes we talk about this verse only for if you get a bad thought in your head. And these bad thoughts in our heads, we usually categorize as an immoral thought, a thought of doing wrong and things like that. But what's some other bad thoughts? Um, things about that you might end up with cancer, uh, financial issues, things like that. Any test that you're going through in your life, when you start thinking on the problem, you're going to end up way turning that way because you're expecting it. You have hope, not in God, but in what the devil's plans are for your life. You know, we oftentimes quote Jeremiah 29, 11, You know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for a future and a hope. And we say that so often, but then we become double-minded. Yeah. We quote that scripture, we have it on our wallpapers, and then we start talking about the issue. Well, Joe Biden did this. Well, look at what's going on in the world. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing what's going on. But when you don't give glory to God and you don't see the victory that God has already taken, then you're going to end up in such a mess. And even if, even if the way that you talk doesn't turn the entire world around and just completely demolish it because you're talking so much defeat, your own life will be defeat. Because mentally, you're already in defeat. Even though you quote Jeremiah 29, 11, that's great, but you're double-minded and you'll receive nothing from the Lord. Mm. And, all right, well, let's read the end of this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you don't renew your mind, you'll never live in the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. And I know that's tough to hear this morning, but it's the truth. If you don't renew your mind, you will not end up in the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. However, if you start to look at the promise of God, then you will. Amen? So I don't want to just be down on people this morning, but I want to tell you that there is hope. And we're going to talk about how to get there. Go ahead and go in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm throwing a lot of word at you this morning, but that's good. You need it. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 11. And really, if you, need, if you need help getting through any situation and how to stay content in any situation, Philippians is like the best thing to read. I mean, the Apostle Paul went through so many things, but he remained content. And we're going to read about that just a little bit. All right. So verse 11 says, I do not speak because I have need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know both how to face humble circumstances and how to have abundance. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned the secret, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's not just a great um, scripture for an athlete to put on their Instagram bio. Because I see I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me all the time. Or you know what? Uh, I'm sure Justin knows. You know, we could be in the gym and just, oh, I can't get this bench up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can, you can misuse scripture however you want to, which we can't. We can do that. But, you know, really what he's talking about it's through all of these trials, all of these afflictions. You know, things are going wrong, but he depends on Christ to strengthen him. He's not dependent upon the situation. He's not dependent on if there's food on the table or not. He's just dependent on Christ. And so that's why he's content. Yeah, but let's go ahead and read. I mean, what really is he talking about? And I don't want y'all to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. But if you're taking notes, it's 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. What is it that Paul went through that he was so content? What did he really go through compared to all of the issues that we have now in America that are so, so bad? But what did Paul go through? I mean, get ready because 
This is going to make you feel like a horrible person for even being upset about your problem because Paul went through so much. And, you know, I was laughing this morning, too, because I was thinking about um, <laughs> how, you know, Catholics, they'll call Paul St. Paul. <laughs> and I just, I don't know why, that just makes, that makes me laugh so hard <laughs> because it never called him St. Paul, but I guess you could say that he was a saint. I don't know. All right. 11 verse 23. It says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and labor is more abundant. And you know, even before this, he was talking about that he was going to boast in his tribulations and all the things that he's been through. Why? Not to give glory to the devil, but to give glory to God, that God even sustained him through all of these things, and that he was able to endure for the name of Jesus Christ, because all these things that he endured ended up being such a testimony. I mean, even think about the palace guard, how Paul talked about when he was in prison, this is in Philippians, how when he was in the prison, he even was able to share the gospel with the palace guard. Yeah. And so anywhere that he went, he counted as a blessing because he was able to share the gospel, no matter if he was in prison or not, whatever was going on. But it was all for his glory. So it says this, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned. Three times I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weariness, and painfulness, and sleeplessness often. Oh, if you just miss one night of sleep, you know how, how bad that is? I mean, I could relate to that one. How many of y'all have ever missed a night of sleep? And that alone feels miserable. And then imagine all of those things on top of it. Terrible, absolutely terrible. And then he says, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, and in cold and nakedness, beside all things, the external things, the care of all the churches pressures me daily. Wow. So Paul really had it. He really had a lot of bad things going on. But what did he do? He even boasted in this because he understood that it wasn't the situations that determined where his joy came from. He knew that even in all of these situations and perils and beatings and all of these things, you have to understand that even imagine Apostle Paul being beaten and still being content. That's hard. That's hard not to have unforgiveness towards the very people that hurt you. That's very hard. However, he did because he understood that God was going to get him through and he understood that whatever he did, that God was going to turn it around for his glory. And so whatever happened to him, he was proud to even wear the name of Christ. And so, you know, a lot of people... They're so full of faith, you know, so strong. But really, it comes to a point where you have to look and understand that even if it's by death, that you're not going to break down for the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I mean, a lot of people, they'll say so often, I, you know, I would never do what Peter did. I would never deny Jesus. But then storms of life start coming, and then they, they start becoming double-minded. Yeah. Well, what did you do? You denied Jesus in your thought life. That's what you can do. And you can, you can really take your faith off of what God gave you. And it's not just that you're thinking about what the devil has for you, but you start to have faith in what the devil has for you. Yep. He, he takes it, perverts it, and completely uses your own mind and your words to create. What's the ability that God had when he created the world? He spoke it into being. Right. And so Satan will try to fill your mind up with thoughts. And then you take those thoughts and you turn them into words. And then you, as a spirit being, have the power to create with your words. And so Satan will oftentimes pervert things, take those, and create what he wants because he was able to get a hold of your mouth. And so let's go to Psalm chapter 1, verse 2.
now that we got off of that, here's another thing. <laughs> so you really, you really have to get your mind off of what the devil has for you. Onto the plan of God. And don't be double-minded about it. Don't be thinking about, well, God has these great plans for me, but what if this happens? Or what if, what if the situation gets worse? And you have to rejoice in whatever situation you're in because you understand the report of the Lord. So Psalm chapter 1, I'm actually going to start in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What do you have to do when the devil starts trying to plant thoughts in your head? You have to replace it with the word. What did Jesus do when the devil came and tempted him in the desert? He spoke the word. So what do you do? You speak the word. Amen? And so it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What is meditation? What happens when... You know, let's look at the opposite side. When people start to meditate on their problems, they start seeing themselves maybe dead. They start seeing themselves maybe not being able to pay the bills. Their imagination runs wild, and that's where Satan tries to capture you in your thought life. But if you take your imagination and you start imagining the other way, that's really where you're going to start to see victory. You start thinking, well, what if if the devil's plan doesn't work? What happens then? What's my life going to look like? When I enter into the promises of God, when I see his blessing on my life, what does that look like later on? You start imagining that way. And when you see it in the spirit first, you're going to see it later in the natural. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you're still turning, that's okay, but I'm going to get started. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them all around. And there were very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now you have to think. Imagine walking through a valley of dry bones. You could say now, well, that's easy. When God is asking you, oh, of course they can live. Of course, God. But that's a different story than really seeing it. See, this can apply to so many situations in your life. When you look at the issue, I mean, the very, the very natural thing is very real. You see it with your eyes. But you have to be able to see in the spirit. What is God going to do? And so it says, and I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This man had to speak. Second thing, notice that he had to say something. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you so that you live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will grow back flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you live. Then you shall know that I am Lord. I believe that the the reason the Lord was so descriptive in this was so that he could get a mental image. Because think about Jesus. When he called Lazarus forth, he didn't say all these fancy words about flesh grow, um, you know, The wrappings on him come off, all these things. Lazarus, stand up and then start walking. No, he just said, Lazarus, come forth. That's it. And so we understand that it doesn't take a lot of words to create. However, I believe that God became so descriptive so that he could get a mental image of the flesh growing back, breath coming into their lungs so that they could live again. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. When I looked, the sinews and the flesh grew upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And many people give up at this point. They start speaking to the problem, start seeing a great turnaround, but it didn't go exactly the way that they thought it was going to go. 
I spoke to the sickness, <coughs> but I'm still coughing a little bit. Oh, I'm just going to give up. I guess, I guess God's word did not work that time. No. Then he said to me, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. Thus says the Lord God, come forth from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain so that they live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And so whatever situation you're in, it is very important to speak to that situation. But what place do you speak to it from? You can't be double-minded. We went over that. You can't think, well, what if these dry bones don't come to life? Or give up as soon as, well, they've come together, but they're not standing up. They're not breathing. The situation looks hopeless. I saw a small bit of God's greatness, but I didn't see exactly what I wanted, so I'm giving up. You can't do that. You speak to the situation, and you say, dry bones live. Amen? I've spoken to so many situations. Just say that for a second. Whatever situation it is, dry bones live. I mean, you can look at it and speak to it and say, you're going to come back to life. I mean, I quote this scripture so much, but it's because it's powerful. Satan cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So what do you do? You speak life into the situation because you know where your hope is. You know you have a confident expectation that these bones are not just going to sit here on the ground, but they're going to come to life. Amen? All right. So let's go to... 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What is this hope that we have anyway? Well, let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 56. All right. The sting of death is sin... And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I mean, when you, when you look at your situation, you can rejoice because it might be a bad situation in the natural. But what did God say about it? I mean... When you focus on the report of the Lord, you can understand, wow, in this situation, my faith is growing exponentially because I'm not looking at what it is. I'm looking at what God said. And what did God say? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Let me break that down for you for a minute. What is in the law anyway? Have you read Deuteronomy 27, all of the things that you could be exempt from? Even a fever is in the curse of the law. Even birth pains, all of these things. I mean, there's so many things in the law. Cursed in the city, cursed in the field. You don't have to live under a curse. You don't have to live in sickness and disease because you're redeemed from the curse. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But what are you not under? You're not under the law. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this victory anyway? It's that I'm not under the curse. I'm in the blessing of the Lord. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I have everything I need. It doesn't matter what comes against me. And I know this to be true. I know that whatever the devil tries to bring against me, he can't keep it on me because I already have victory. And so I can just fight him off. It doesn't matter. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well, God already gave us Jesus, and Jesus bought us back everything that we need with his blood. Amen? And so, if God is so rich in mercy, if God is so generous, to give us his own son, 
How can you sit in a situation and believe that he's not going to give you all things and believe that he's not going to come through one more time again? I mean, he's already, he's already done so much for you just in his son. If you haven't even seen a drop of his faithfulness in your life, the moment that you got saved is the most faithfulness of God that you will ever see in your entire life. And so you meditate on the faithfulness of God. God, you saved me. You delivered me. On that cross, you took every sickness, disease, poverty, the curse, lack. I don't have to live under the curse. And so you meditate on these things. That's why I rejoice. I don't just rejoice because I'm happy. Because happiness is fleeting. I already told you that. Happiness is very fleeting. But it can be an outward expression of your joy as well. So you can't just rely on happiness alone. But when you have the joy of the Lord on the inside of your heart, it's evident that that happiness is going to show through. Amen. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Yes, who is risen? Who is also at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm telling you, you could take anything away from me, but you can't take the love of Christ away from me. You could do anything. You're not going to take my love out of my heart. The love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Because it doesn't come from other people. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You have to understand. Look back at what we read about Paul. He really went through it. He really, he got beaten. He got shipwrecked. He went to prison. But you have to understand that when he was locked up in that prison, when he was getting beaten... He knew in his heart, he rejoiced in his tribulation because he knew his faith was growing in that very moment because he knew that he had the love of God. Nothing could separate him from the love of God. So why was he so content? Because he had the love of God. That's all. That's all. He knew he already had the victory. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Wow. So you can look at this and get really in despair. Oh, Lord, all these things are happening. You know, people are starting to die in the world for believing in the name of Jesus. And you're foolish to think that the day is not coming, that people will come for our very lives for believing in the name of Jesus. But you have to make up your mind this very day that you're not going to allow that. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. What did Paul think when he was getting beaten? I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. You could try to beat me down. You could try to stone me, but I'm just going to get up again. Amen? Amen. I mean, I don't care what the devil tries to bring against me. I've got the blood, the blood of Jesus. I can plead the blood over any situation. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, neither angels nor principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come, Neither height nor depth, nor any created thing, shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I understand where my help comes from. Amen? Amen. Last thing I'm going to read to you. Galatians 3.13. It's one of my personal favorite scriptures. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. You know, anytime that you're going through something, especially if it's in your health, if it's in poverty, anything pertaining to the curse, anything pertaining to the curse that you go through, even it's the smallest thing as a bit of heaviness, just not even depression I'm talking, even the smallest, smallest thing that you could possibly think of in your life. If you don't take authority over it, then Christ died in vain for it. The Bible says, let's read what it says. (laughs) That's a novel idea. (laughs) Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. 
You read this a lot. Christ was made a curse for me. Well, that's great. Imagine really what that means. What is the curse of the law? You look at all of these things. I mean, there's so many things that it says. Boils, diseases. I mean, anything that you could imagine. Imagine every single disease on Jesus. That's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. I hate that Jesus even had to take all those things on. But if he took them on for me, I'm not going to allow them on me. Are you serious? Are you serious? He was made a curse for us, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The blessing of the Lord. I mean, even for the blessing not to be on your life. What are we here for? I mean, <laughs> that's just, that's included in your salvation. How powerful is that? Powerful. That he didn't, he didn't just die for your disease and poverty not to be on you. But he, he died so that you could also prosper. Not so that you could just be out of poverty and just live a middle class life, just get through, just have enough to pay the bills. Absolutely. But you could have more than enough. Absolutely. Amen, Pastor Justin in the, in the money suit. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so you can have more than enough. That's what God has for you. More than enough. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. You look at it and go, well, God empowers me to prosper. I can have more than enough. I don't just, I'm not just outside of the curse. I'm not just not poor, but I'm wealthy. Wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, with that said, let's get into offering. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Amen. Amen, his favorite. All right. <laughs> All right. 11. Verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. You know, this also, not just offering, but this is everything. Where is your expectation? The expectation of the wicked is wrath. So if you even expect for bad to happen, did you know you have the expectation of the wicked? Wow, that's powerful. But the desire of the righteous is only good. Only good. So remember we said you can't be double-minded. Only good. Fix your eyes on what God has for you. That doesn't mean that the situation isn't there, but you can look at what God has for you and then speak to the mountain. Yeah. You don't acknowledge that the mountain, you don't just ignore the mountain. You acknowledge it, but you say, get out of my way Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't care what you came here for, but I'm more than a conqueror, so get out of my way. All right. There is one who scatters, yet increases. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. I think about often how backwards the kingdom of God is from the king, kingdom of this world. You know, in the world, I like how Pastor Mark says it, many times people are thinking subtraction when they give. But really, they should be thinking multiplication. And the kingdom of God is so different than how the world thinks. They hold on to what they have. They try to make a life savings. That 401k, that retirement, that life insurance, the policies, the benefits. What can I hold on to? But if you work the way that the kingdom of God is, Amen. you just give, give, give Amen. as much as you want. Generous. Amen. Generous does not mean just 10%. Amen. Generous means abundant. I don't just give 10% every Sunday. And even in your everyday life, that doesn't mean just at church. But generosity is a lifestyle. Amen. You know, you start to get generous and you're going to reap it. Maybe may not be from the same place that you sowed it, but you're always going to reap it yeah. because God's not mocked. So remind him that every time you give. Lord, you're not mocked. You said I'm going to reap. You said that I could test you. Wow. And it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. It gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That's right. And so it says, and he who waters will be watered also himself. And so this morning, I want to tell you, you know, we even talked about loving people. You water other people, you'll be watered yourself. If you don't love people with the love of God, you wonder why you're always so exhausted, why you're always feeling down. 
But <laughs> amen. That just, that just came up from the Holy Ghost. Amen. But you begin to water other people. Love of God. I don't care what they do to me. I'm going to give them the love of God. Well, you're going to reap that from another place. Other people are going to begin to be very generous towards you because you sowed it. Amen? And I believe that to be true. So I believe today that every single one of you, and I know who's in this room. I know that you all are generous people. I know that the Lord is going to water you today. Amen? Whatever you need. That's not just finances, but he's going to cause you to prosper in every area of your life. Because what good is the money without health? It's no good. But God is going to give you every single thing that you need. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Lord, this morning for this wonderful time we've had. I thank you, Lord, that as we close, that the revelation of this word just gets down in our hearts. I thank you, Father, that we can rejoice no matter what situation comes in our life because we know what the end is. We know that we're more than conquerors. And I thank you, Father, that as we sow our seed today, that we know that you're not mocked, that whatsoever we sow, so shall we reap. And we thank you, Father, for giving us everything that you've given. Thank you for giving your son. Thank you for everything that he died for, that he took the curse for us, for the blood. We praise your holy name this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.